and welcome to another episode of Jumpcast. I am one of your lovely hosts today, Alex. Although you don't know I'm lovely, I could be terrible, I could be a horrible human being. You, you don't, don't know what happens that. behind the scenes, listeners. Exactly, exactly. Me and Simon <laughs> could be mortal enemies and you don't even know. <laughs> the abuse that he hells at us on the chats. <laughs> You're going to have to rescind that. You're going to have to say allegedly, actually. I mean, allegedly. Oh, God. Don't take legal action as well, Alex. I can't take it. <laughs> and joining me, you've heard his voice. It's Simon. I feel like I should, in absentia, give an ahoy this week. Yes, I think. I think... You should. Yeah, ahoy. Ahoy, ahoy there. Ahoy. Uh, Charlotte is um, absent for this week. Um, yeah. She'll be back next week. She will be. Um, I'm not entirely sure. I think she's on a beach somewhere. At least I think that's wishful thinking. <laughs> I think she's doing the Nick Fury thing where she's pretending she's on a beach, but she's actually on a space station. <laughs> <laughs> around the earth. Let's say Charlotte will be back next week, but it will be a scroll or something. <laughs> jump, jump cast, secret invasion. <laughs> Slowly, one by one, we will become shapeshifters. <laughs> that would be sick, though. Okay, we, sick. We, probably, we probably shouldn't talk about this. We've got so much to talk about today. I so you should probably, should probably <laughs> get on with it. Okay, so... Um, I mean, we should probably just make it clear from the off what what is going on today. It's a very special week because, uh, well, actually, as when as of when this episode comes out, there'll actually only be two days left of the London Film Festival. But it's the London Film Festival. It really is, and oh my gosh, I have been here, there, and everywhere. I say here, there, and everywhere. I've been in Leicester Square all week, Alex. It's you've been booked in and busy, is what you've been. I'm hiding under the statue of Mary Poppins recording this as we speak. <laughs> How's there not a bunch of like background noise? I've had loads of tourists take pictures of me. Uh, there's a Darth Vader busker. He keeps like prodding me with his lightsaber because apparently I'm on his spot. I don't know. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. I've got the smell of the M&M store keeping me going. You're probably going to need to go in and buy some overpriced M&Ms just to <laughs> get you through the night. I've made a shelter out of leftover Lego from the queue. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what else is on Leicester Square? Uh... <laughs> Cinemas? Casinos? Uh... Oh yeah, you could go watch Magic Mike XXL. That'll keep you warm oh, for yeah. a little bit. Oh, hey, there we go. Right, so uh, me and... <laughs> This is this is gonna be terrible all the way Same through. I just know it. Already. Uh, yeah, so me and Simon have been watching uh, some LFF films. Me considerably less than Simon because Simon is actually in London, whereas I am not. I'm in lowly Manchester, and we only lowly. get certain would... films. Don't 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 talk the finest city north of London down. <laughs> mm. Mm, okay. I mean, it is the <laughs> finest city. In the UK, but... actually, Glasgow is uh, quite nice as well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is too. This is too much already. Oh, okay, God. so okay. yeah, <laughs> keep moving. So yeah, so I've seen a few, and uh, Simon has seen quite a few. So we're going to be talking about that today, and of course, we'll be bringing you all of your usual stuff. We're going to be talking about the trailers. We've had some pretty cool trailers this week. Yeah. We're also going to be talking about some of the hottest film news 
that's been keeping us going over the past uh, seven days. And later on, we're going to be revealing the results of the film club. Yes, one of us will be dancing in victory, and the other one of us will be having to put up with it. That is the case indeed. Find out <laughs> towards the end of today's episode. But Ooh. first, Simon. Yes. Apart from LFF, have you had a chance to do anything? Have you had a chance to breathe or just kind of, you know, well, think about anything else other than that? Breathing's optional, uh, I think. Well, because actually, you know what? I'm going to say this to everyone's credit, at least in the press showings. Um, everyone has been very mask compliant. The mask etiquette has been top notch. Uh, no one has, well, very few people have been without masks, which has been very reassuring. That said, when something really makes you laugh, I think I've been like chewing mask a few days, which is never fun. Um, I've been queuing a lot. Uh, queues have been out of control uh, this year. Um, in fact, there was one film, Red Rocket, which I'm going to be talking about a little bit later on, where things really kicked off because it was just utter chaos. Chaos reigned that day. Um, outside of that, though, I've been so been watching Bake Off as per. Uh, actually, at point of recording, I've just watched Dessert Week, and Alex has Okay, I haven't, so you have to be very stumb, or, yeah. you know, oh, yeah, no, no, what no. you're talking about to a I will say, I will say nothing. However, it was sweet in the dessert sense, and also in the in, in the outcome sense. Um, yes, that means Jürgen doesn't go home. Come on, <laughs> I mean... Okay, you can have that. You can have that little tip. <laughs> but yeah, otherwise. But also, I've been watching, I watched the Ted Lasso finale. <gasps> oh, so did I. I actually watched it um, early because I have access to the um, to the, the Apple press site. Thank, Ooh, thank you so much to Apple for the... Thanks so much to Apple for access to that. Um, <laughs> because I, were, I actually spoke about it on my radio show on Bolton oh. FM. Oh, nice. Okay, I know that some people won't have watched all of yes we best not spoil okay so without giving spoilers what did you think of that um what did you think of the finale loved it yeah that was great i honestly oh yeah i i have no words actually i I, you know i I think uh, because there are some people are saying that it's kind of starting to become a bit too soapy and i'm kind of like well is it though I don't think I agree. I don't think I agree. I think that, you know, the the amount of time that they're focusing on certain characters is just right. They're giving everyone, you know, their shining moment. And, you know, the thing is about a TV show like Ted Lasso is there's so many characters and it's going to have quite a few series. So if there's a character that you like that's not really had, quote unquote, their moment yet, then time. just just yeah. give it time because it will happen. Yeah. Something will happen. They'll get they'll get their storyline. You know, this series has been very much about about Sam and um, yeah. about Sam and about Nate. I'd say yeah, and you know, next season that there'll be another focus, and that's just how it'll go. And I think I think it's doing really well. I just love it. It's just so overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, yeah, no, most of the time, anyway. Yeah, I think so. I think, again, without giving too much away, I think certain developments with certain characters, um, I think they're going to make some really interesting dynamics and some interesting um, yep. stories, certainly, for Series 3. 
And mm. um, yeah, I'm excited to see where it goes. Very much so. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I think. Well, yeah, I I don't know. Again, how do we talk about this? <laughs> um, but I think I'm really excited if things go ahead as they look like they're going to be for series three. I think Juno Temple is going to have a vintage year next year. I think you might be correct. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. We will. Well, as for me, uh, you know, not really doing much. I've been watching Modern Family. It's funny you were talking about uh, breathing, about breathing being... Fr- um, I can't remember what you said now. Something about breathing anyway. Um, <laughs> I said something at some point. Yeah. <laughs> you said something about breathing. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, there's an episode of Modern Family that I just watched where Luke, uh, who is the son of uh, the Dumphy uh, yes. son, yeah, um, makes friends with the old man, ne- the next door neighbor. Oh yeah, and um, and <laughs> so the old man's quite old. He's got an oxygen tank, and Luke's like, "Why have you got an oxygen tank?" He's <laughs> like, "In the the old guy's like, it helps me breathe." <laughs> and then Luke is like, "We have oxygen next door. We don't need air tanks for it, though." Because <laughs> <laughs> he has to like walk through the house to get to the back garden because he's getting oh, like his ball or something. And as he walks into the house, he holds his breath. And honestly, oh. it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh bless! Yeah, I just. I absolutely adore the show. I'm I'm on series three already. Oh wow, you're powering through. You I even have, started a couple of weeks ago, right? Absolutely, a few weeks ago, yeah. Okay. And I'm absolutely adoring it. And oh, I've Lord. still got like eight seasons left, so very very exciting. Oh, nice one. On the breathing front, actually, because I'm worried I'm going to end up sounding like a blooming anti-masker or something. Um, but no, it is so great that people are continuing to wear masks when everybody else is being awful around the world. So mm. please keep doing it if you're in a cinema and not sure, because it's great and reassuring. So yay, breathing is good. Not having COVID is better. So brilliant. Yes. Anyway, on that little soapbox moment. I, this week, uh, also watched Train to Busan. Oh, what did you think? Loved is this it. part of your Spooktober thing? Yes, kind of. I've been a bit faltering on it because I've been so busy. Mm, mm. But the ones that I have watched, like, yeah, and Train to Busan was the latest. Right, okay. So good. Like, slept on. Yeah. Completely. Um, I, I've, I've been meaning to watch it for so long. I'm a big fan of zombie stuff, yeah. generally. I've, you know, been a big fan of The Walking Dead for however long. It's a long-suffering relationship, um, The Walking Dead. Um, but yeah, I mean... You see, there's going to be yet another spin-off. Don't. Don't. Stop it. I c- <laughs> let it Let it die. Let it die let it with the main die. series. <laughs> we've got what the, the Carol and Daryl spin-off show. We've got Fear the Walking <laughs> Dead. We've got, we've got this new one. Then we've got the films with Andrew Lake. Like, stop. Just stop it. Just stop. <laughs> Just stop. Just stop. <laughs> Um, happy but days, it was but like how a... many spin-offs can you get? <laughs> I feel like it's going to go uncanny valley amount of spin-offs, Sunday, like Mondays, worse than days. worse Tuesday, than Ryan Murphy Tuesday, with American <laughs> with his American <laughs> series. Is... Oh well, um, but yeah, it's it, it ended up being like a host of familiar faces because, um, well, first of all, the main character, the 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 dad in yeah. Trade to Be Sun, um is the businessman at the beginning of Squid Game, 
who plays oh, the paper ah, game. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, then uh, another one of the characters is played by the son from the poor family in Parasite. Yep, yep. And um, Don Lee is also in Train to Busan, who is yes. going to be in Eternals. That's right, yeah. And oh my God, I, I understand why he's been cast in a superhero movie. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Holy cow. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm excited to see... Wow, yeah, I'm excited to see him in, in a... In a... Well, in, in, in just more stuff, really. I can't believe it's say more than that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, it's about time we moved on to the film news and we've got some big stuff, mostly casting news actually yeah. this this week. So maybe we should have like a little a little feature some weeks when this happens. <laughs> casting news. What is the, the... <laughs> jump casting? Jump casting. You got the job, kid. You gotta be a star. <laughs> you gotta be huge. <laughs> well, <laughs> talking of <laughs> Talking of of somebody who is, I mean, you know, celebrity enough within himself, but this is probably going to project him into superstardom. Into the stratosphere. <clears throat> um, Will Poulter. Yep. A uh, little kid boy from uh, the Maze Runner films and uh, We're the Millers, and amongst the other things. From E4, which was pretty awful, but he was good at it. Yeah, and also um, the guy that everyone says looks like Sid from Toy Story 2. <laughs> he does. Sorry, yes, you're right, yeah. Because didn't even dress up as him once for Halloween. I, think I thought so. that was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, a- anyway, he's been cast as Adam Warlock in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Yeah, I'm excited about this. I think, um, I mean, he's he's great. He's great. He's a fantastic actor and a really brilliant comic presence. Like he, his timing and his delivery is just impeccable. And like I think, like James Gunn is going to absolutely lean into that. And yeah, I one hundred percent. Oh yeah, and like he's so because I'm I'm assuming this is going to be more of an antagonistic kind of thing, given how Guardians Two ended. So yeah, seeing yeah. him like being like you guys are jerks kind of thing. <laughs> Plus, Adam Warlock's main storyline in the Marvel comics, or his most famous storyline at least, is the Infinity Saga. That's like, it. He, yeah. he is the one that like ends it all. Yeah, so I feel like Gunn's kind of got free reign to do whatever he wants with this whatever version. Whatever he Warlock. possibly wants. Yeah. Although I do think that he's going to be like the new Star-Lord. You know what I mean? Like the kind of Maybe. taking over the reins of heading up the new Guardians team. Yeah, now that uh, Chris Pratt's got the Mario gig, you know, he doesn't need anything else. Because James Gunn has actually done quite a few Q&As on Twitter over the past few days, and he retweeted an article, and somebody was doing their predictions for for Guardians of the Galaxy 3, and he was like, some of these are right, or something like that. And obviously they were predicting certain deaths. Okay, yeah. Um... So it's going to be interesting to see who survives and who doesn't, because Guardians of the Galaxy Three is going to be a real handing over of the torch. Oh yeah, film. I think. I don't think. I don't think James Gunn will do any more after think, that. Yeah, he looks. He seems like a guy who wants to kind of move on to the next thing. So yeah, we'll see. Chief Creative Officer of DC Films, please. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. Uh, if if 
if you kill Rocket Raccoon, James Gunn, I will I will write it. Uh, so a couple of weeks ago, we heard about Christopher Nolan and about his new film. He's going to be making a film about uh, Mr. Mr. Oppenheimer, the inventor of the atomic bomb. We found out who is going to be playing him, and it is Cillian Murphy. Yeah, which I think, well... It unsurprising. Going, unsurprising because it is going from the Christopher Nolan pool of Christopher Nolan actors. But, I mean, you can't go wrong with Cillian Murphy. Like, he's, he's, the, he's the man. He's great. He is. He is. And he's going to have a lot of free time as well because Peaky Blinders is ending. So. Of course. Yeah, he's probably going to be going all in onto, well... I, I see now. Yeah, like you say, he's freed up. So more films with him in, please. Not just this. Yes, yeah. I I things. completely agree. Well, moving on, Anthony Hopkins, who um had his Oscar BAFTA Golden. I'm not so sure about Golden Globe, but anyway, oh, I was so worried as to where that sentence was going when you said award. Oh yeah, no, I could have put that <laughs> in the news this week, but I'm definitely not doing because we don't need to give them any press. Oh, oh, okay, okay, fine. Yeah, that's yeah. where you were going. Yeah, I, w- I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, when you said golden, <laughs> I was about to say it, but I stopped myself. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Anthony Hopkins, who had his award-winning turn in Florian Zeller's The Father, yeah, is now going to be starring in the follow-up, The Son. Oh, is he going to be de-aged? I hope not. <laughs> Is it going to be like old man voice Anthony Hopkins in in, in in the body of young child Anthony Hopkins? I saw somebody make the joke on Twitter where it's like, "Is the third film going to be the Holy Spirit?" Mind. Oh god, <laughs> <laughs> just a really boring prequel. <laughs> well, I have a theory that it's part of the familial cinematic universe. <laughs> I, look, I saw so many people making the joke of what's next, the Holy Ghost or the House of Gucci. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. I, I really like The Father, so I think that, that this will probably be good. I'm not sure exactly where it fits or whether it's like a more of a spiritual sequel to The Father, or if it's mm. like an actual follow-on or whatever, I'm not. I'm really not sure, but we'll find out. I'm sure. We'll find out. Yeah, I'm, I'm. Yeah, I'm excited about this. I think any anything that immediately goes, oh yeah, Anthony Hopkins is in this. I think there's like a certain percentage increase in interest, and so mm. like, on top of Florian Zeller coming off the back of The Father, like yeah, yeah, absolutely, yes, please. Yeah, definitely. Well, moving on from casting news to actually uh, news of a new film, a, a new film? project. Oh my gosh, I know films on this podcast. <laughs> uh, David Gordon Green is going to be heading up a film about Ooh. the inception of Disneyland. Inception? Inception, Christopher Nolan. It's oh. going to be a time travel um, <laughs> epic. Uh, and it's, you know, I mean, what, what, did Walt Disney always talk about dreams? Well, I, I I do love the idea of this film. I think it's going to probably be pretty pretty cool, pretty dramatic. Um, yeah. But if you turn your attention to Disney Plus, there is actually some documentary style stuff that's already out Ooh. that kind of gives you a nice, uh, interesting, like factual uh, run around of how, how Disneyland was made and. All of that kind of stuff. You also um, on Disney Plus have a very insightful look into the haunted mansion. With ah, <laughs> yes. I'm surprised you hadn't mentioned that yet. Actually, oh, I've been restraining myself. 
<laughs> Genuinely. I just, oh, God. Um, can, we, can, we, can we talk about it? Yes. Let me finish my point first, okay, and then we'll then we'll talk about it. Okay. So, um, so yeah, so the, there's two series, two okay. specific series. There's one called The Imagineering Story, which is lovingly narrated by Angela Bassett, um, uh, and it's phenomenal. It's honestly so great. It almost makes you forget about you know Disney's chokehold on the cinema industry and right, yeah, and it, it's like capitalistic tendencies. It's it's very sweet, very nice, very um. Very re- really good series actually. Okay. Um, it kind of gives you a deep dive into well, obviously at Disneyland ha- has these workers called the Imagineers, and they they are yeah the lifeblood of of the parks all around the world. Um, so yeah, and then there is also behind the attraction, which is more of a specific deep dive into specific attractions yeah um such as jungle cruise and um haunted mansion is is one of them um space mountain uh star tours okay so it it feels like i mean i i i'm not disappointed oh no simon i feel sad i feel sad for you I feel like, you know when you get too... You know like when you're a kid at Christmas and you get so excited? Yes. And then the day We'll actually be happens. talking a lot about this later on with some of the uh, elephants. Well, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, like the, like the whole... Like being so enamoured with the idea of it and then you actually get it and it goes by too quickly and it's a little bit kind of like, oh, is that it? I kind of got that with Muppets Haunted Mansion and I'm... Oof really sad to say like that's not a bad thing at all because you know and it was really fun while it lasted and yeah but in hindsight looking back it was just too quick and a lot of hype over what was essentially a tv special and i feel like maybe i set myself up for a fall there so i mean it is funny there are funny moments uh will Arnett especially is very good in it i mean will on Arnett is good in anything he's in yes yeah, uh, he's or he's bat just, man, or bat man, or, or bat. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, he's he's doing his well on that thing, and like he's great in that. And Yvette Nicole Brown's good, and um, oh god, <sighs> oh, brain is absolutely Taraji P Henson. That's her name. Uh, that just lost me for a second there. She's really good as like this kind of antagonistic role, and she really leans into it. And like whenever she's mm. on screen, I was just thinking, ah, oh, yeah, this is great. Like, can I just have a whole film of Taraji P. Henson trying to kill Pepe the Prawn? Like, yes, please. <laughs> and, but, like, for the rest of it, it's all just, it just goes by too quickly. And, yeah, yeah there is an issue with um, the new Kermit voice. It's distracting, and I don't care for it. <gasps> oh, um, no. Bring back That's Steve sad. Whitmire. I don't care if he's retired or whatever. Just, just do it. It's okay. Make him do it all the way to his deathbed. <laughs> just Come on, Steve. It, yeah. But there's no disrespect. You know, it takes a lot of work and skill to be a Muppeteer. And, you know, they, they've pulled out something really nice. But it does feel very much like this was a... Because I think it was the first thing under Muppet Studios as well. And it's not a great debut, but it's not terrible. It's not bad. It's just fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. So hopefully they get a proper feature with a proper budget and can do something really substantially good. In the future. Yeah. Yeah. 
Definitely. I think that it'll definitely get to that point soon. Sooner rather than later, hopefully. Well, um, what was meant to be some uh, small thoughts ended up being a full 10,000 word essay. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Right. Oh. Uh, uh, final bit of the news, just very yeah. quickly. To 10, to ta- I'm so sorry. <laughs> I've been, so I was in the queue for this and I've had about five different pronunciations. So anyone will be correct as far as people are concerned. I think you said maybe Titan. Uh, yeah, or Titan or Titan, something like titan, that. Titan, Titan. That's what I'm going for. That French we'll is going to come in handy for once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, it has been selected as France's uh, Oscar hopeful. So they're going to be is. hoping to see this nominated at the the Oscars this year. God, I in hope In the so. international film category. And you've I... seen this. You'll be able to chat about this a little bit later on. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen it. I'm hoping to see it on the 31st of October on Ooh. Halloween um, at home in Manchester. Oh, nice. we will see yeah oh that's exciting um honestly this is really exciting this is <laughs> this is, um i mean the film itself i'm going to be talking about later i don't want to talk about anything just yet so you know build up some suspense and anticipation uh but this is a bold choice especially when you have quite a few decent french films this past year not least petit maman uh from Celine Sciamma. so this yeah. Um, but no, Titan is an interesting and I'd say very worthy choice. But again, more on that later. Yes. Okay. Well, it is time to move on to trailer talk. Cool. We've had some pretty cool trailers this week. So yeah, I think we'll we'll build up to the big ones. But okay. uh, we'll start off with um, Cyrano. Yeah. Um, so this was one of the films that was touted to be uh, the surprise film at the London Film Festival. It ended up being Come On, Come On. Uh, yes. Which, both of which I didn't get to see anyway because I didn't have a ticket. Um, but yeah, I so this is Joe Wright's attempt at doing Cyrano de Bergerac. And it looks quite sweet, you know? I'm not a big fan of Joe Wright's films apart from the Hannah and um, the Anna Karenina film. Oh, but Hannah is good though. Hannah is great. Yeah, I love Hannah. But since then, he's had, like, Pan. He's had... I mean, what else has he done, really, apart from Pan? Oh, he did The Woman in the Window. The Woman in the Window! That's the one I was trying to think of. Eek. Yeah, not great. And, you know, he did that um, Atonement, which I wasn't crazy about. No. No. Yeah. Yeah, and Darkest Hour, which was... Oh my gosh, don't say that. Oscar-winning Darkest Hour. Sorry. Oh, Christ alive. Spare no. me. Terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it looks charming enough. I love Peter Dinklage, so I, I think I'll be able to get on board with it for the most part. We'll see. Yeah, I really hope so, because yeah. like, he deserves something really good, like post-Game of Thrones. And obviously he had a really great run before that, and it just feels like this could be the form finder for both of them who knows Mm, yeah definitely Mm. moving on it's our favorite type of film this time (laughs) of year simon boxing day oh yeah not to be confused with the film boxing day from 2012 (laughs) yeah oh man yeah it's that time again my bells are a jingling and my chestnuts are roasting uh and (laughs) Yeah, ah, yes. It's, it's um pure treacle. 
by the looks of it. It's very... It looks beautiful. It looks gorgeous. I mean, I'm always happy to watch a film with London in the winter. So there's that. Yeah, I mean, just London in general, um, I think, is is just beautiful in films most of the time. Just and... London in general, and any film that's going to have Marianne Jean-Baptiste in an and role is always going to make me happy. Yeah, definitely. It looks interesting enough. It looks heartwarming enough. It looks funny enough. Yeah. It's probably going to be one of those sweet Christmas films. It'll be the last Christmas of this year, I think. That's high praise, because I love Last Christmas. Oh, you do? I do. I really do. <laughs> Unironically, I love it. Um, so yeah, that will be... Uh, that's a very high level to meet, I think, for me anyway. Okay, well, we'll see. We'll see. Mm. Mm. Now, moving on. Ugh, they've made another one. Ugh. They're not even releasing it in the cinema this time. It's Paranormal Activity, Next of Kin. Yeah, it's it's gone from found footage to mockumentary now. Almost, yeah. Like the whole kind of idea of the plot is that she is making a documentary of like her. She's like meeting her long lost brother or something, and there is I don't know. Things it, get scary. I yeah. Things I, get ghostly. Mm. Things get paranormal. Well, it doesn't even seem ghostly. It seems more demon culty thing now. Uh, it's just. What is this series anymore? Is it just, you know, well, like, if it, if it was like the Cloverfield thing, where they just made it an anthology and got smaller films, put it in the Cloverfield like marquee and get people to watch like a really small indie film, then fine. But it just seems like there's no creative drive with this at all. It's just, oh, mm. uh, screw it. Got a scary film. Yeah, this will do. Yeah, put it out. Pop it straight on Paramount Plus and exactly. call it a day. Exactly. The the graveyard of ambition apparently is is Paramount Plus. <laughs> Being as so they, it would seem. Well, after the last you know, the episode a couple of weeks ago where we talked about where Paramount were essentially ducking out of any new I like original stories. Yeah. 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 Well, from one probably well, scary movie on the box, but probably won't be scary in real life when we're watching it. Resident Evil, welcome to Raccoon City. Welcome to Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> they do what, what do you think? Boards. Did you see this trailer? Did you not? Did uh, what? What are your thoughts? Are you a fan of the video game series? Uh, I like the video game series. The film adaptations before this, the Paul W. S. Anderson ones, are very hit and terrible. Um, well, one hit and then five terrible. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, I you know it looks fine. It looks exactly like you'd expect a Resident Evil film to to look. It, I don't really know what they're going for because it looks like there are elements of like Resident Evil Two in there. One, like there were like liquors. You had the Spencer Mansion. You had um, the Raccoon City Police Department. Yeah, there are bits and, and then you've of got like. Claire, Leon, and then you've got Chris. Yeah. They're kind of all in it, which is a bit, yeah. And Ethan Winters, still without a face somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. It, it just looks fine. It looks fine. Is this a cinema release or is it Netflix? I can't remember. I, it could be either, honestly. Um, now, they, they, they used a... I can't remember the song that they used in the trailer, but it 
Oh god, it was really like weird and or out, like, out of Like why did break, they put it, it in yeah. Yeah. I'm I trying don't to know. think. There was Wait, also someone gonna... who I think was being Carlos from Resident Evil 3, which is uh-huh. I don't know, man. It just like it feels a bit hodgepodge. It feels like they're throwing everything at it because they clearly are panicking that no one's gonna watch this and I yeah. don't think anybody is. It just looks awful. Yeah. Not not excited. But yeah. Well, from horror movie to another Christmas movie. Oh man. Oh <laughs> my gosh. I turned the temperature down on those chestnuts, but here it come again. Just here when I thought they were out, I pulled them <laughs> back in. It um, is the I suppose soft reboot. <laughs> There we are, the yeah. the eponymous um, John Williams theme. It's Home Sweet Home Alone. I have literally no strong feelings on this whatsoever. What do you mean? Well, that... okay, my one strong feeling is, why can't they just let Ashley be Irish? True. Like, she is such a good actor. And she has a fantastic accent. Let her use both of those things. Yeah, I think that would have been the, the best idea. Anyway, it's kind of a... I think we've established from the trailer that it's not a reboot in any way because it seems to be set in the original Home Alone universe because... <laughs> <laughs> what has happened? What has happened to talking about <laughs> Why? Why the is the original like Home Alone it? universe? <laughs> it's not the parallel Home Alone universe <laughs> with Blimmin' Jeffrey Wright. I am the Watcher. What if <laughs> Kevin McAllister was never broken into? <laughs> no. Or there's a there's a thing from um is either the second to last episode or the last episode of What If where he says like. I have seen absolutely everything. <laughs> what that the God, hell is but this? what the hell is this? <laughs> um, yeah, no, but anyway, as I was saying, uh, Buzz is back. Yeah, sorry, yeah. As a as a cop. Yeah, fan favorite Buzz. <laughs> I was I was I was banking on um, the guy who's like, look what you did, you little jerk. Um, but he's probably dead now. I was banking on Pigeon Lady, but Pigeon Piers Morgan's booked and busy, so... Or the Shovel Man. I was hoping for the Shovel Man. We're hoping for Shovel Man. Like, just, you know, the spirit of Shovel Man will just go... Boogity boogity boo! <laughs> Wait, what if we did a Home Alone Haunted Mansion crossover? I'm with gonna the Muppets? beat you to death with my snow shovel! No? <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> I have Joe Pesci's gold tooth on my mantle. <laughs> it's in my trophy cabinet. <laughs> no. We didn't even say whether we think it looks good. I think it looks good. I think it looks terrible, but I think I'm going to enjoy it either way. I think it looks there we fine. Go. I like Rob Delaney. I like Good. Ellie Kemper. I like Archie Yates. I like Ashling B. Yeah, there we go. Right, moving on. Finally, cool. Five Cream. <laughs> Five Cream. Scrivium. Scrivium, that's right. Why couldn't they have just called it Scream 5 or given it like a subtitle or something? I will never, ever know. Five Cream just sounds like 
<laughs> just like some kind of dermatological thing. Just... Yeah, I think yeah, like you got a bit bit of bit of too bad of eczema. There are only Try some five, five cream exfoliant. <laughs> <laughs> it's to die for. Oh god. Um, but yeah, no, this looks fine. It looks just like a screen sequel. It does indeed. I've only ever seen the first and the fourth Scream films, so Ooh, Scream Two is terrific. I envy you yeah, watching that for the first time. I should I should watch both of them actually, but I've got till January. Um, you do have so, till yeah. you have until January. <laughs> After that, the uh, Scream films cease to be. No, <laughs> <laughs> well, until Scream Five comes out. Oh yeah, of course. but uh, but no, no. Um, yeah, yeah, it looks fine. It looks, it looks fine. interesting enough. Yeah. Everyone's just looking a bit older, apart from Courtney Cox, who just time seems to have frozen on her face. Yeah, definitely. Well, something has frozen on her face. Um, God. Um. Okay. Well, <laughs> um, it's probably time we should we should move on. Yeah. Um, from the trailer talk, and before we get into our LFF, uh, dispatches, uh, Simon. Yes. Yeah. A word from our sponsors yes. that is very PG-rated without any kind of funny or, well, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we... <laughs> um, we, well, after last week, how can one top that? Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, maybe I could do a little song, you know? Patreon stars, are they subscribing <laughs> nope. just for me? No, no they're not. No. no. Uh, so, no, no. no? Uh, anyway, so <laughs> that's that's what everyone sings in in the Jump Cut Online family. I think it's the anthem. Um, but anyway, uh, yes, this is the point where we say thank you to all of our lovely Patreon patrons uh, who subscribe at the toppermost of the toppermost tier of our Patreon. Uh, that's eight pounds a month. If you were wondering, hey, how much is that? I just told you, again, it's £8 a month. Uh, that is the cost of, well, if you're in central London, like I've been for last week, two cups of coffee a month, not four. Um, but we really value every subscription and patronage and whatever you can pledge every month because not only do, does, you know, not only do you, are you doing a good thing and supporting independent publishing, but you're giving new writers paid commissions. And that's so exciting and so important. And, well, the people who have been subscribing at the top most do deserve an extra special shout-out. We do this every week. And so, without further ado, we want to give our hearts felt thank yous to Chris Wilson, Enon Films, Robert Denny, Daryl Griffiths, Sam Luck, Orla Smith, Peter Hodgkins, Andy Meakin, Fabiana Rosas, Hamish Calvert, Martin Richmond, and Manuel Bento. Guys, as always, you are lovely. If you want to add your name to that list, just go to www.patreon.com slash jumpcut underscore online. There you can find all the bits and pieces you there to, to pledge. As It could be as little as £1, could be as much as £8, and you get your name out, shouted out as well. The power is yours. But yeah, now back to our regularly scheduled programming. Thank you, Simon. That was surprisingly uh, without non-risking of any litigious action. Yes, that that is completely <laughs> what I was going for. Yeah. See, I can behave sometimes. 
you can sometimes. Well, it is now time to get on to the main segment of... I mean, we've been here for like 50 minutes nearly already. Oh, good lord. But it's time to get on to the main segment. There's a lot that can be cut out, though, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Our legal team, which is Sam and his edit button. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right, so... Yes. uh, We've been at LFF. I've been at half LFF, kind of. I've been at MFF, LFF. MFF. At New Deal LF- at MFF. L- LFF at H-O-M-E oh. at M-C-R. Oh, oh, okay. That's too many letters. <laughs> too many. Sorry. I've been at London Film Festival at Home Independent Cinema in Manchester. Oh, lovely. How has that been? It's been wonderful. I, uh, you were talking about the queues before. I thought that it was bad that people started queuing up for the French Dispatch 40 minutes early. Oh, 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 my sweet summer child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was kind of like, mm, mm. and I mean, I, I got there. I've been there quite early on yeah. every occasion that I've, I've been. Um, and I've got on the perfect seat pretty much every time. Nice. So it's been great. It's been wonderful. Oh, man. I For the most that. part. Anyway, oh, I can imagine. So, is it is it pressy things, or did you did you have to like? No, I'm a general plebeian. Oh, mate, no, it's fine. Don't worry about it. I'm very happy to to see these films that I've been waiting so long for, and as part of a festival, because you know some of the these films that we're watching, you want to watch in a cinema screen with the most people as possible, and. You know, all of these screens have been sold out pretty much, and yeah. it's been, they've been absolutely full, and it's been wonderful to experience them with a complete audience. Like, there's nothing like it. Oh yeah, no, it's really special, and um, I don't know if because I've I've been praising the Mask Etiquette in London. Has the same been in Manchester, or has it been a bit naughty? It's been a bit ish. It's okay, okay. It pit and miss, right? Not as bad as I thought it could possibly be, but I th- I think it could definitely be better. Yeah. Okay. That's very fair. But but yeah. But yeah. Yeah. But yeah. It's 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 been. Oh man, it's been such a strong festival this year so far as well. Anyway. Um. Yeah. I've been doing, like you said, the press bits, getting up early in the morning. Early, early. Early in the morning, just as day is dawning. Um. <laughs> They're not going as postman Pat, sorry. Uh, and yeah, it's it's been an experience. Um, my second one in person, and nice. Yeah, meeting so many lovely critics. Um, one of which actually mentioned this podcast. Um, so Chris, if you're listening, which I hope you are. Hi, thank you. Lovely to meet you. And yeah, great time. Hi, Chris. Hi, Chris. <laughs> um, so yeah, but I know other people will be listening to this as well. Hopefully, hopefully. You know, we found we found half of our half of our listenership in Chris. Uh, but um, <laughs> no, it's been really good, and there've been some really interesting films. And well, I know that both of us have actually caught some of the same films, which yes. is a lovely, lovely coincidence. So that. we're going to talk about those first, because yes, uh, and we're going to start off with Spencer. Yes, which is Pablo Lorraine's latest uh, kind of moment in time biopic. I like to call it that. I don't know whether anyone else calls it that, but it's that that his biopics aren't in any way similar to the usual cradle to grave type biopics. Do you call it a moment in time biopic just so you can belt out some Whitney? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> or like Leona Lewis almost. A moment Mom, like this. Oh that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Lovely. Um so yeah, so uh and of course it's about uh, Diana, Princess of Wales, as she was known, Lady yes. Diana, however you want to call her. Um, and it chronicles uh, the three days over Christmas 1992 uh, at Sandringham. Um, and that was notoriously the Christmas where Princess Diana left Prince Charles yes. um, and divorced him for being a naughty, naughty boy. A naughty, um, naughty boy. Very and bad. yeah, so th- this film kind of chronicles that, that the royal family festivities very much through uh princess diana and the focus is very heavily on her um and that that's really kind of where where we get into it so simon what did you think well i i really wanted to like this more than i did i think there are some really great positives to be taken from here not least kristen stewart's performance uh, as diana i think she is almost certainly a lock for best actress across the board i think she's phenomenal in this she really captures like the fear and the paranoia and the anxiety of what diana must have been feeling in sandringham over christmas that year Mm. it she's I, i mean it's such a tricky one because obviously there are so many people going to be picking this performance to bits under so much scrutiny because of who it is that she's playing. And, but I feel like people are going to come away from this incredibly satisfied. Maybe not with the rest of the subject matter if they're incredibly royalist, but (laughs) certainly, certainly in terms of the performance alone, I feel like that's going to get a lot of positive attention. Um, Beyond that, I mean, it looks absolutely gorgeous. I think um Lorraine is it Lorraine Lorraine something like that yeah um yeah he really captures like the claustrophobic nature of of Diana's surroundings in a way mm-hmm. which is kind of reminded me of The Shining um uh, this kind of like really tight corners and very kind of overlooky kind of Kubrickian claustrophobia sense like I was half expecting her to turn a corner and the twins would be there saying can play with us, Diana. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> there's that. Uh, and the another... queen and the queen mother just going, come <laughs> and eat your food, Diana. Come come weigh with us. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> oh. Um, oh God. But yeah, um, but, and, and Johnny Greenwood's score is oh. sublime. Ooh. Genuinely so good. Yeah, oh my gosh. And yeah. Yeah, I, I thought that was... <laughs> Excellent. I thought that really added to the just the terror of it all. It's a true. What I found is like it's a true collaborative effort. Everything, every last little aspect of this film just comes together like a perfect puzzle. Yeah. Um, and it just fits so well. I mean, you know, like you said, Johnny Greenwood's score is incredible and fits the mood perfectly. Wherever I, you know, I actually said this in my review where at times it's incredibly haunting and, you know, verges on, you know, like, like, you know, really loud and, and kind of off putting. But then at other times, you know, it, it kind of lavishes Princess Diana like a fur coat. It's just Ooh. like, it's like so 
god, it's just so great. And then Claire Mathon, the cinematographer on this film, is just a g- absolute genius. Like, how is it that you possibly make uh, Sandringham, which is meant to, you know, be like one of the most homeliest places in the world at Christmas, mm. feels so haunting and off-putting and horrible. Yeah, it just is incredible, and you know, a film like Spencer, which is kind of very cold and and lacks a lot of warmth, purposefully shouldn't look as beautiful as it does, but it just does look so beautiful. Like it's just, I mean, it's amazing. And then Kristen Stewart, oh my god, yeah, she is superb. Oh my god, she was in incredible you know there's there was lots of doubts and i'll admit i was probably part of those doubts i was worried about the accent i know you know in the trailer she only says those two words um they don't <laughs> and I, I don't you know don't get me wrong i was properly worried about it and, and you know it's always going to be a risk casting an american person as somebody from the royal family especially when you're trying to promote it to a british audience who you know, the majority of love the royal family and especially Princess Diana, who yeah. kind of transcends the royal family in many, many ways. Uh, yeah, but she was just perfect. And, you know, from the minute she comes on the screen, uh, she just embodies Diana from the walk to the gestures to the voice, just to everything. Um, And although this film is very... Uh, very haunting at times and very cold. There are also little moments of of warmth and joy, and that's mainly when she is interacting with her sons, with William and Harry. And there are some William and Harry scenes, uh, well, scenes between them two and Princess Diana in the film that honestly almost (laughs) brought me to tears. Like, Mm. there's a scene where they're together and they're just lit by some candles in the middle of the table and that scene <sighs> I loved it. I, honestly, the acting was just phenomenal from the three of them and I loved it. I honestly loved it. I, I couldn't mm. sing the praise of this film enough. Like It is one of the best films of the year and I'm not even joking. Like It's just so good. It's amazing. So, for all those positives, I still... I, I, there's still something with to, for me to this film that I just can't love it. I think it's definitely to be admired, and I do like it. I do like the film. I think it's well made, and I think it's very well acted. But I think there are some, certainly some narrative choices there where which really jarred for me. Certainly, well, not least um, the Anne Boleyn stuff. Okay, I think. Yeah. So there was a whole so. There's a whole thing where they're essentially trying to like uh, trying to compare and and conflate the story of Diana's uh, divorce, her marriage and the divorce to Charles, with uh, the marriage and execution of Anne Boleyn, and it just gets in the way, I think. And it's there's so much time devoted to it. There's a whole sequence where Diana goes to her childhood home, and it is just like a good 10, 15 minutes like across the film is just committed to, oh yeah, oh, wasn't she a bit like Anne Boleyn? And I just found myself thinking, this is just taking me out entirely 
of this okay. entire like I you can know, s- hostile environment thing going I on. I think I can see where that aspect of of the film could be off-putting. However, the way I see it, and my counterpoint to that, is that this film is meant to be a fable. And fables sure. are quite often in- incredibly you know that that fables are as subtle as a brick through a window at times. <laughs> yes, that is true. And I think that's kind of where the, the Anne Boleyn stuff works for me is because it's meant to be obvious. It's meant to be like, look, we're comparing you to this. That is probably an overconflation, like you say, but it still is yeah. a mirror image in certain ways. I get, and I get where you're coming from. And I think in the end, that story that that because let's be honest, like Prince Princess Diana probably wasn't reading a book about Anne Boleyn at Sandringham on that weekend in you know in nineteen ninety two, you know that's completely purely fictional, purely for the for the narrative of the film, Um, and I think that that is such a big aspect of it. Uh, And obviously, there's things that kind of that there are a few spoilery. It's a bit of spoilery territory with that storyline, that kind yeah. of narrative line that we can't really talk about because they, w- they wouldn't want to spoil it. Um, but I think it makes perfect sense. But I completely understand your point. Yeah, I don't know. It just, it it was really quite frustrating. It felt more like a hurdle for me to go over. And there are some points where it's not just the Anne Boleyn comparison there. They, they're, they get very heavy into metaphor. Like there are so many things where she's said, like she's, being told oh she's like current oh, she's currency or she's a dress or she's a scarecrow or this kind of thing. It's just like please can you pick a metaphor and run with it and not just like scattergun all these different ideas across two hours because by the time they got to like the sixth thing that she was, like, oh, okay fine. Can we just <laughs> can we just go? Like, oh yes now oh I'm so you know pretty but oh I'm doomed to be shot down like this partridge. Like, ah! Please, <laughs> just stop. Okay. <laughs> just stop. And that's where I just found myself getting incredibly wound up. Because I thought again? you had a really, really good film in here. And just like, I know, again, like you say, like, fables are meant to be on the nose and very I th- obvious. But... I think it then it comes down to maybe your expectation. Because I didn't expect it to go in in that direction quite as much as it did. Right. Maybe um, that's it. Maybe that. Maybe maybe. And I think it does come down to maybe your personal expectation of what what you think is this film is going to be, and very possibly. Also, very possibly. kind of like how real. I mean, it is very real, but mm. there are obviously all of these the, these little like pockets of surrealism, and uh, yeah, that might not land with certain people and clearly it didn't land too greatly with you well i think what it is is that it was quite jarring because you have so many elements which look like uh lorraine's trying to make it into something of a horror film like like i said you have like shining elements funny enough we spoke about the exorcist last week like certainly with the pea soup i felt like that was kind of evoking that and certainly with you know how it was depicting uh, diana's predicament certainly in terms in, in terms of where she was suffering hmm. um I, I really felt like, and, you know, even that in itself is a question about sensitivity. Um, in fact, I'll be, I'm intrigued. And I spoke to um, Claire Hope, uh, who's 
grated on Twitter. Uh, and she said, coming out of it, she would be curious to see a perspective from someone who was suffering from an ED. Um, yeah. To kind I, of watch that. I think that would be very interesting. Yeah, because, I mean, it, I can't really comment on it because I've never been sure. in that situation. So I couldn't, I couldn't really say. Um, I don't think... Uh, from my perspective that it ever felt like insensitive yeah but again like i said you know somebody who has been in that situation or is going through that situation could watch that and go yeah no that's not good yeah it'd be interesting to see but i think you're right in i think you're right in the regard that maybe i've gone in there with a certain expectation and like i said with the horror elements there and certainly the score maybe that i felt that the film was feeding that expectation a bit before it went more allegorical. So maybe, yeah, so that might be it. So maybe I need to rewatch this with that kind of more fable mindset first. So, and and maybe it might work better. Um, But yeah, it's certainly worth rewatching anyway, just for Christy Stewart's performance. It's funny because I did go in expecting it to just be this incredibly realistic film where, you know, Mm. it was just going to be straight. Yeah, that's fair. You know, but I think you've got to make that split switch in your brain while the film is happening, yeah. almost. Yeah, no, that's totally fair enough. One thing I will say as well, on top of Kristen Stewart's performance, is that I think the two other standouts for me are Timothy Spall and... Timothy Spall was really good, yeah. Yeah, Timothy Spall and Sean Harris as the chef. Mm. Mm. Like, they were both fantastic. They kind of led... They, and again, they, they were both, obviously, at, based on real... characters but they were both very fably they both of those characters were very much there to see diana through this situation and in their own fable way yeah (laughs) like the like um like sally hawkins's character she she isn't that her character isn't real no um but again is more of the fable type character yeah, no, absolutely. I think one thing which also came to mind when watching this, not only kind of the horror elements, but it did really kind of lean into that almost like cold it's great escape kind of like prisoner of war film. Because mm. the whole thing is obviously run like a military operation when the royal family go to Christmas. And mm. then you have like the barbed wire, you have the dresses that literally say POW on them. <laughs> obviously meaning like point of wearing because they have different events for them. But yeah, the connotation yeah. is there. And then you have the commandant in Timothy Spool's like retired colonel just overseeing everything with an iron fist, and mm-hmm. yeah, it just felt very like. And even well, you know, they bring the food in, like the military literally bring the food in. Yeah, at the, the beginning in. of the film. Oh so, yeah. yeah, and it's... of course at Christmas, the Great Escape. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, Tish. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think there are some really interesting elements in there. For me, like I said, on that first watch, I don't know if they all came together perfectly for me. I'm, yeah. I might need to go back to that and, and watch I think, it again. I think it'd be interesting to see what you think about it on a second watch, whether it lands with you a bit yeah. differently now you've had the conversation. But I think so. Because... I am, I'm still, yeah, I, I'm a little bit gutted that it didn't land for you as much as it landed for me because, like I said, I unequivocally love it. I think it's like I said, one of the best films of the year, hands down. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think what I'd be excited to do is because I'm sure that Charlotte would want to watch this. Maybe she's already. Yeah, so we can we can converse again when it actually comes out, which yeah, is the fifth of November. The fifth of November. Okay, I'll try and watch it again before then, and yeah, 
yeah, we'll I'll, I'll return and share well, my... definitely, like you said, when when Charlotte's back, I'm sure Charlotte will want to talk about her opinion on the film, and I, I'll be happy to to talk further because I probably will have watched it again by then too. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Let's, yeah, I'm let's do that. that then. Right. Well, that was Spencer. Um, cool. if that wasn't really, I, I mean, one final word: should people go and watch it? I think they should. I think Kristen Stewart's performance alone sells it. Yeah, definitely. Whether you're a fan of Princess Diana, whether you're a fan of Pablo Lorenz films, uh, you know, Jackie, um, whether you're a fan of Kristen Stewart, yeah, whether you're a fan of, uh, yeah, just a- anything like that, definitely go and watch it. Whether you're an award season fan, if you're an award season fan, you definitely need to go and watch this because this is definitely going to be a big, a big name. It's be a major player, definitely. Major player, definitely. Yeah. Right. Well, moving from major player to major disappointment. Oh. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm being too harsh. I'm being too harsh <laughs> on purpose. No. Uh no. Uh last night in Soho. I literally watched this as of recording like two hours ago. Oh, so this is these are gonna be some very like fresh reactions. Fresh thoughts, fresh reactions, fresh out of the screen. Okay. I assume you watched it a few days ago, actually. Yes, yeah, so I've had a chance to simmer on it a little bit. Yeah, whereas I haven't, so I might be a little more off-kilter than you. You might have some more cohesive thoughts. <laughs> Don't get I'll, your hopes up. I'll try my best. I'll okay. try my best. So, last night in Soho, we've been waiting for five years mm. for Edgar Wright's next film. Of course, we had his documentary in The Sparks Brothers, um, yeah. but we've been waiting since Baby Driver for his next narrative movie. Uh, obviously, was delayed because of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and here we are. Uh, it's at LFF. It's been at a bunch of other festivals and it's going to be getting its big UK wide release on the 29th of October. Yeah, just for those cold autumn just, nights. Just in time for Halloween. <laughs> so, <laughs> last, night, <laughs> last night in Soho. Uh, Stars Thomasin McKenzie, yeah. Anya Taylor Joy, Matt Smith. Uh, you've also got Diana Rigg and Terence Stamp. Yeah, Diana Rigg's last performance as Diana well. Diana Rigg's yeah. final performance. Yeah, um, I'll, I, I won't say that's a, that. It's not really a spoiler, but I don't want to say because it's nice. When I when I saw it, I my heart warmed up. So yeah. I don't want to ruin it for anybody. Um, so yeah, and also uh, Michael Ajao as uh, as John, who is yes from Attack the Block. Attack oh my god! Block. When I found out that, I was like, yes, yes, I'd say, so happy. I wanted to make sure he got mentioned because I'm yeah, going to be saying some nice yeah. things about him in a bit. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so it tells the story of Thomas and Mackenzie's character Eloise or Ellie. She is a wannabe fashion designer. She lives in Cornwall and she wants to make the move to the big smoke, the big city. Yes, and, um, uh, yeah. and go to fashion college and become a big a big designer. And she ends up going, and uh, she gets enthralled in this weird time travelly mystery body doubles <laughs> thing. Really hard to describe what it was. It's yeah. I mean, if you've seen the trailer, you'll kind of know the idea of, of what, what's kind of going on. With yeah, the film. it's kind of like this waking dream time travel thing. Yeah, it, exactly that. 
yeah. you said it better than I ever could have, Simon. <laughs> Believe me, I've had some days to think about. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so last night in Soho, right? I want to say there's another film in this uh, that we're, that I'm going to be talking about yeah. that I went in with absolutely sky high expectations. Oh, okay. For um, and it somehow exceeded them. Oh. And we'll talk about that later on. However, I mistakenly went in to Last Night in Soho with sky-high expectations. Oh, this is really sad to hear. And, yeah, it just didn't work for me, man. Didn't didn't fully work for me oh, no. on all levels. Okay. I will start off by saying that visually... It mm-hmm. looks stunning. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, Edgar Wright captures London like a dream. Soho like a dream. It just mm-hmm. looks great. Um, I've kind of been spending a little more time around there. I've been down for a festival uh, kind of thing. And um, I've been down with friends quite a few times this year. So yeah, it was yeah. nice to be able to see it the way that Edgar Wright captured it and to also be able to go, Oh look, I've walked past there. Oh, I've that. you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yes. Yeah. That was really cool. It sounded awesome. The soundtrack, the 60s soundtrack is, you know, rocking. absolutely. Yeah, rocking. It is, it's absolutely rocking. It's really, really, really good. And, uh, Anya Taylor joy's rendition of downtown is quite something. Yeah. Uh, especially within the context of the film it's it's very, very good. Very, very good. Uh, is that about it? Is as far as <laughs> the acting is is great. I I love Thomas and Mackenzie. You know, uh, saw her in uh, Jojo Rabbit first of all, um, which she was uh, incredible in, and she's the things she's been in since she's been absolutely wonderful, and this is no different. Uh, again, Anya Taylor Joy's wonderful, Matt Smith, Diana Rigg, they're all they're all absolutely brilliant. Where the film. Uh, where I'm sitting at right now, where the film falters for me is narratively, which is okay. not great because that's that's the film. Yeah, <laughs> the entire film. Um, so, quick question, Alex, before we get into 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 details. Yeah, um, and I won't go. And just before we we win, we're not going to spoil anything because so this I'd... is this is something that's quite spoiler heavy. But yeah, I was going to ask because when I got into the showing that I went to. There was so there was a note from Edgar Wright and the and the cast and crew of Last Night in Soho, which said, "Please don't talk about the second half, or at least please talk as little as possible about the second half." Did you get okay. that as well? We didn't. We got a little intro okay. thing from the the festival programmer and Edgar Wright himself, but that we didn't get. Uh, oh, okay. That might have just been a press thing, potentially. Maybe um, just a press thing, yeah. But yeah, they they really wanted to emphasise that they wanted people to go in cold, and almost literally because of when it's coming out. Um, um and after watching it, I com- completely understand why. Yeah. For for better or for worse. Okay. Okay. But yes, sorry. Um, carry carry on. So yeah, no. Uh, so where it doesn't work for me is n- narratively. <sighs> Okay. It's a little too too predictable, I think. Okay. I don't know about you. I saw the thing come in quite early on. Sure. Okay. Um and 
I think the last... Because I, w- I won't talk too much about it, because obviously spoilers. But the last act and the kind of the explanation of the so-called twist... Okay. Seemed a little too over-expositional conversation over tea kind of thing. Yes, I think I think I know what you mean. Um, in fact, my main issue with this film is to do with the final acts, annoyingly, because, again, can't really talk about it without spoiling, giving the whole game away. Um, so, yeah. I think, you know, I really like the idea last week that we had of just spoiling every major film. We're going to do that. We're going to do that at the end of the year. I swear yeah. we will. We will. So I will, I will save this point and ask you about it later because I think, yeah, there is a point here that needs discussing. And I don't, maybe we're not the right people yeah. to discuss this. I don't my, know, and I, I've said this, I've said this to a couple of people. Uh, in my initial reaction, walking out of the screen was, you know, that TikTok sound that is, I think I may have accidentally girl bossed a bit too close to the sun. <laughs> Oh, Alex, that's funny. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, that, that is my initial reaction uh, and is my continuing reaction, actually, to the ending of that film. Um, Interesting. It just, it, it takes away from the overall experience, which was promising in the first half, at least, to be quite something, mm. actually. Um, you know the myth, the the intrigue and the mystery. It was so fantastical and and wonderful. And the Phelps twins are in it, and the they're in it for like thirty seconds. However, the way they used is so cool. Oh, it's so clever. Yeah, so clever, so interesting. And all those little bits and all those little tidbits that were really interesting and cool. And like, oh, this makes me so excited to see how this is going to end out. And then the ending was just like a big floppy mess. And I'm just like. <laughs> Edgar, no! Edgar, please! Because I wanted to love it so much. I really did. Uh, you know, I love Edgar Wright as a director. I think he's so talented. He's yeah. one of the best British film makers of a generation. And it just pains me to not have rated this film as much. I think as well, uh, you know, kind of don't, or at least from my perspective, don't go into this film expecting usual frenetic Edgar Wright, because it's not it's not that, you know, don't go in expecting the usual choppy, cutty, you know, mm. hot fuzz, Shaun of the Dead, Scott Pilgrim style like... film. It's a lot it... slower and a lot more drawn out, which is when you don't think that that's going to be the case for an Edgar Wright film, it's, it threw me through a loop a bit. Like, I had to try and get used to the fact that it wasn't the same as usual. And by the time I'd got used to it, it was the end, and the ending was the worst bit, so... Right, okay. Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. I think, um... Let's see, I I like the film a lot more than you did. I feel it's the other way around now. Okay, um, yeah. So, with, um... Yeah, with, with my feelings on Spencer being a bit cold, and you being much warmer on it, yeah, my feelings on this are much warmer. Obviously, with big reservations. Um, because... Yeah, I I really liked this. I think not least because of the performances in there. You had Thomas McKenzie, who is on fine form in this. Yeah, I she think is. she is. She's a star. She's absolutely a star. I feel like that was always going to be her destiny, is to be just a huge actor. And yeah, thousand percent. 
Yeah, and it's so deserved. Like, obviously, Leave No Trace was such a great breakout. And then you have things like Judge of Rabbit, like the true history of the Kelly gang, like this, like old to an extent. Like she is just going to become such a phenomenal actor. I mean, she already is, but she's just, you know, she's going to hit levels that we've not seen yet. And I'm so excited for that. And I think it's because of her journey as Ellie that this whole film works for me. Like you say, narratively, there are some hiccups. And I think in the second half, certainly it starts to falter a little bit when, okay, without trying to spoil too much, when past and present come together. Um, and and when 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 those boundaries of dream and awake start to blur, um, so I don't think that's spoiling too much to say. No, um, I think that's that's fair. Yeah, I think cool. that's, that's as far as probably as far as you can go. Yeah, um, I think that's as far as I will go. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I think there are some really fantastic things to bring up in here. I mean, we already mentioned, like you said, it looks gorgeous. I think it's clear from watching it. And again, this might be for better or for worse. It's clear from watching it that Edgar Wright is so enamoured with that part of London. I think... Of course, yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to talk... Because I'm going to talk about indulgence later. Okay. And it, it, his... The, like I said, the way he shoots Soho is very indulgent. Like it is. It is. And you can't fault, you can't fault him for that. You can't fault him for that. No, no, absolutely not. I think... Part of so part of the whole film is kind of a little bit like ever so slightly, and maybe again this comes down to expectation. I would have liked a little bit more of going into what Soho was about, um, because like yeah. it's, it, it starts to, and there is so much focus on what Soho is now and what London is now, um, yeah. because that's partly what Ellie comes to. Like her whole thing is that she's obsessed with the past she has pictures and posters up of 60s singers and acts and she has mm. a vinyl record player and i mean obviously a lot of people do now because they're a bunch of hipsters but she's genuinely in love with that time period and then like the whole kind of going through 60s london and obviously part of that journey is realizing what soho was and yeah. in some sections still is well it's funny because in the the preamble thing what edgar Wright was talking about like it being about you know idolizing these certain things or aspects of things and then when you kind of realize that it's not all that it seems yeah exactly and i think that's really great and i do think that he gets that across but it's this weird juxtaposition because you have that but you also have just soho a love story essentially which is uh, <laughs> it's it's hard to kind of bring those two together yeah. and it's so interesting isn't it because it's about it it's also all about dreams and about broken dreams and about fulfilling dreams yeah but yeah, then but then in the final act it the, that message which yeah, it just gets <clears throat> wait am i going too far is that getting, too far i think you're getting a bit towards towards the thinner ice i'd say the thinner the thinner ice hmm shall we cut that then Oh, no, 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 that's fine. That's fine. I think we're I'd okay. say, and it, but I, what I'm saying is that noises. message, that message. <laughs> yeah, I won't, I won't go any further than that. Cool, that cool, message cool. start. Well, it does. It gets completely lost. I think. I think it gets a bit shaky, and I think there is a very good and valid discussion to be had about that final act and where yeah. it sits. 
uh, I'm gonna not use a word there. Somethingly, uh, to avoid spoilers. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So yeah. I, but again, we'll discuss this at the end of the year in the big. We certainly session. will. We certainly will, and we'll discuss it more as well when it comes out with. Uh, yeah. With, with Charlotte. Yeah. With Charlotte, of course. Right. So, well. Yes. Um. Right. Although I have maybe been a bit horrible about it. Although I don't think I've been too horrible. Mm. I still would recommend you go watch it. Oh yeah, like I said, I, I, really I don't want to put it. people off. I don't want to put people off. Um, not namely so because Edgar Wright is one of the directors that um that loves the theatrical spirit experience just as much as anybody. And yeah. if even just for that, it deserves to be watched. I'd in say a, it deserves to be watched in a cinema with as big a crowd as you're comfortable going with. Yeah, uh, with a really good sound system because the, it is a proper Edgar Wright film. It's got a properly good soundtrack. There was some very, there was some laughs as well. There oh, were yeah, some it's laughs. funny. It's like funny. it was, it is funny at points. That there was a, there was one. Well, I was actually two really, really funny, funny moments that was amazing to experience with a full, a full auditorium. It was just oh, great. Yeah. And yeah. I'm gonna say, um, Michael Ajao, who we mentioned just then, yes, uh, who plays, who played Mayhem in Attack the Block, who plays. Uh, jo- uh, John. John, yeah, John. John. It's such a nondescript name, but it's not not anything against him. <laughs> um, like he is so great, and he is yeah, so he's brilliant. Yeah. Oh gosh, I really hope that he is in more in in in. Time yeah, to come. and I hope he's also going to be in Attack the Block too as well. Oh god, I hope so. That'd be yeah, great. that would be wonderful. I think that would be really good. I think some parting thoughts, definitely. Yeah, very um, quickly. Very quickly. I think it's always a delight to see Terence Stamp do work. I know that he's getting on and he can't really do lots now, but it'd be lovely to see him do more. Yeah. Um, I think Diana Riggs' last performance is... I think it's deserving of her last performance. I think she's great in it, and I think she carries that role with some real gravitas and some real verve. I think she's great in that. And yep. I do think that, you know, like you said, it's it's not a perfect film. I don't think. I don't think it's ever going to be anyone's like top of the list, but if you're if you look at the synopsis for this and you look at um you know if you look at the trailer certainly and you think this is the vibe that I want from a film, then I think absolutely go in and let the film wash over you. I think that is the, the best way to do it. Yeah, certainly, one thousand percent. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Definitely go and watch it. Definitely go and watch it. That's yep. my. And then I will give more of my thoughts uh, yeah. later on in the year. Like about... we don't do we don't do stars, but I would say four with a big asterisk, and then the big asterisk we'll talk about later. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I, I put it to three. Okay, that's fair. Okay, well, we'll very quickly move on because cool. I, I think like you you are literally going to have to do a top of the pops rundown of all the other films you've seen. Cause... If you want, you can give me if you time if I was going to say if you set a time or something, I'll try and do each one in a twenty second window. And Simon, I'm going to be as nice as I can about this. I don't think that that's possible for you, my dear. It can happen. It can happen. I can. <laughs> I can do it. I can do okay, it. Okay, we'll see. Anyway, I'm going to try and get out of the way the film that I've cool. seen that you haven't seen, Shock not, Horror. No. I'm so sad that you haven't seen this because I wanted to like wax lyrical with you about it. But we'll get to do it late because it it's not too long from actually coming out in the cinemas anyway. Okay. We've been waiting for some time. 
I was talking before about going into uh, a film with sky high expectations, and this is the film. It is Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch. Right, yes. Yeah. So I went and watched this on Sunday as of the time of recording about three days ago. Uh, two days ago, actually. Nearly mm-hmm. three days ago. Uh, this film is starring everybody. <laughs> Literally everybody from the poster and from the trailer, it looks like. Everybody. I think not just everybody, but more or less everybody who has ever been in a Wes Anderson film, plus Timothy Chalamet, plus Francis McDormand. Wow. If I'm being honest. But yeah, I mean, you've got uh, the Leia Seydoux, Christoph Waltz, Owen Wilson, Jeffrey Wright, Sasha Ronan, Adrian Brody, Elizabeth Moss, Tilda Swinton, Lee Schreiber, Willem Dafoe, Edward Norton, Angelica Houston, Bill Murray, Benicio Del Toro, I mean, I could go on. I, I could go on. There's so many people in this blooming film. And when you watch the film, you will understand why. Um, so this this film, The French Dispatch, is about a, a fictional magazine. Yeah, okay. Um, and it is... Uh, I think its full title is the French dispatch of... Let me get the, the poster up. <laughs> Here we are. Because it only says it on the poster. It doesn't say it on like the you know on Google or anything. So it's called the French dispatch of the Liberty Kansas Evening Sun. So it's a, a magazine from America, um, and part of the magazine, uh, the editorial has moved to a town in France called Anwy. Mm-hmm. And... They do articles and features and all of that kind of stuff. From wait, 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 wait. Town. The, the town's called Ennui. It's called Ennui. Of yeah. course e- it is. Double N U Y. Yeah, almost. Okay, I was going to yeah. say because yeah, that's that sounds very Wes Anderson if it's called that. Yeah, e- exactly, exactly. Cool. Um. So yeah, this film is like a, a basically a, a love letter to journalism and journalists and the editorial experience. Um, it, it, the film's told like through the lens of like an anthology almost. Uh, <laughs> the film is actually the magazine itself, right? So you go through story by story. Okay. And that's where all of these actors fit in, basically, because you couldn't have all of those actors in the film in one story. Mm. You know, they're all, it's over three big stories, basically. Okay. Um, and they all they all have their own moment and their own moment to shine and all that kind of stuff. Right. And that's all I can really say about the plot without giving too too much away about it. I don't want to give any more than that really away. Uh. This film is so good. Oh my gosh. Like I said, I went in with sky high expectations and it was they were somehow exceeded. I don't know how. Don't ask me how. I've no idea. I think what what is so good about this film is that this film is unequivocally, unfalteringly Wes Anderson. Right. Okay. If we're talking if once upon a time in Hollywood was Quentin Tarantino being overly indulgent. Oh, the French Dispatch is Wes Anderson being overly indulgent, but doing it well. Okay. 
<laughs> Sorry to all the Tarantino fans out there. I didn't like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. No, I didn't like it either. Um, so yeah, because the, the funny thing is, I, I've seen quite a few people say that, oh, the French Dispatch is too overindulgent. And it's like, well, did you have the same energy when Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came out? Because if you didn't, then double standards. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Okay. Um, this film is funny. It's charming. It's at times incredibly heartwarming. It has that signature Wes Anderson deadpan humor that everyone has kind of come to love. You know, the the almost the scripted humor, the physical humor, the the humor that you get just from somebody walking up and down the stairs. You know, yeah, something that some things that shouldn't even be funny, but just are funny. That Wes Anderson can just make funny just through his directorial style. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. And through his timing and his 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 talent and his excellence. Um, this is basically sounding like I'm just wanging off Wes Anderson. I am. I am. <laughs> this is where this podcast has come to. <laughs> I have so many thoughts. I, I saw this on Sunday, and they're all still so incoherent. Oh, I God. wish I had kind of a more. <laughs> <laughs> Almost, um, you know, I wish I had more coherent thoughts on it. Yeah. Apart from Wes Anderson, yes, I loved it. Thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs> um, and maybe that's where we should leave it on because okay. I just want people to know how much I loved this film. Yeah. And how much I think that people will love this film. Okay. And then we'll talk more about it when it actually comes out, which. Is seven days from the day this podcast comes out. So. I know, gosh, yeah, it's um, blimey, not far away at all. I think that's probably not why I was happy with not getting up at five thirty to watch this one. Yeah, I think I think you probably made the right decision. Maybe. For me, it was a, it was, it was on at twenty to nine in the evening. So, oh, good lord. Okay, <laughs> so you know, yeah, that's much better, certainly. Um, <laughs> right, but okay. yeah. Um, so just to let you know, Alex. Yeah. Of the ones we haven't talked about, there are thirteen other films that I've seen. Oh my god! Okay. Holy cow. Okay. So Holy the... cow. Yeah. Well, just quickly, just some final final okay, thoughts cool. on on the film. Um, you know, everybody is great in it. Uh, and like I said, generally, when you see that there are so many people in a film, you get worried. Um, oh, oh, you know, someone's going to be underutilized, or, uh. You know they're gonna be just they're just gonna fade into the background and they're not gonna do very much. But everybody gets their moment, whether it be a big long moment or a, a minuscule few seconds. Everybody oh. gets it. Okay, and they're all absolutely wonderful. I, yeah, I just love it. It is the most Wes Anderson film to ever Wes Anderson film. Okay. <laughs> and for the that Wes Anderson, for that I I just love it to the bottom of my heart. I, I, mean, I, I think, honestly believe it's one of his best. You can't say fairer than that. Nope. And there we are. <laughs> That's that. We'll talk more about it on uh, two, uh, two, two weeks, weeks time. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Right. Okay. I, ugh, got a mountain to climb. Okay. Right. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, will we get copyrighted if I play the top of the pops music? Okay, wait, no, I'll do it myself. <clears throat>
Simon presents his top of the London Film Festival films that he really liked. In at number 13. So in at number 13. Oh, God. Okay, so this was really awful. A film that actually I can talk about now because this podcast comes out after the world premiere. Shepherd. It was a horror film. It has Kate Dickey in a role, which is very interesting. It's not very interesting itself, though. It's a very dull, almost ripoff of The Lighthouse. Really poorly done. There's a really good good idea in there, but it's washed out by... a overbearing soundtrack and some rubbish jump scares in at number 12 it's nitram which was actually running for best film competition at the festival and it's an interesting film certainly about kind of what drives someone to commit an atrocity like um the one portrayed in the film uh, I just don't think it did it with any sensitivity at all. I think Justin Kurzel's a really interesting filmmaker, but he's not done enough here to justify committing two hours to this story. And whether it's, you know, getting into explanations of uh, people committing horrible crimes and mass murders, for instance, uh, and explaining it away through mental illness, I think that's reductive and disgusting. And I think that's what this film is threatening to go towards. I did not care for this at all. I was going to do the top of the pops theme then, but it felt very, very off taste for what you've just said. So okay, no problem. <laughs> in in at number eleven. In at number eleven is Hinterland. So I caught this on a virtual screening on the Sunday when everybody else is watching the French Dispatch. Uh, it's an interesting film. So this is an Austrian Luxembourg co-production, uh, kind of a murder mystery crossed with a post-war trauma film. Um, it's got some, again, some really interesting ideas. I wish it kind of done one or the other. Uh, some very nice visuals with kind of a lot of German expressionism, cabinet of Dr. Caligari influence on its sleeve and everything else. But the end product is not worth catching, to be honest. Mm. Right. I've got a challenge. Oh. It is the mid top of the pops, top of the London Film Festival challenge. Give me 10 to 4. Rapid fire. Go, 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 go. 10 to 4. Okay. Uh, All My Friends Hate Me. That's, that's that's the name of the film. Uh, it's a black comedy about as black as black can be uh, about a guy who goes to a country house for his birthday with all his mates and they're all acting weirdly. Is it a prank? Is it genuine dislike? Is it just in his head? Um, honestly, it was really fun. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, it took a little while for things to get going, but when they did, I was having a great time with it. Okay. Nine. Uh, nine. It is uh, Red Rocket, which was a very difficult film to kind of sum up very quickly, but uh, it's kind of plays partly <laughs> as a satire of Trump's America, uh, partly kind of plays as a satire of the American dream. Uh, basically, a retired porn actor tries to get back into the game with a 17-year-old girl that he meets back at home. Uh it meant to be hilarity ensues and it's creepy and weird and transgressive and people will love it. People will hate it. I wasn't so sure. And the next number, because I forgot where we are. Number eight. That's the one. Uh, the Power of the Dog. Uh, so it's Jane Campion's return to the cinema. Um, and it's a very languid and slow and brooding film. I don't know if it was entirely for me. I think Benedict Cumberbatch was good, if not slightly miscast, uh, as as the kind of central figure of torment to Kirsten Dunst and Cody Smith with these characters. Uh, Jesse Clemens was good, but underused. And I think there are some really good ideas again in there. I just wish it was a little bit tighter. 
wow, underusing of a cast member when the cast, the main cast is only three members. <laughs> wow, couldn't be Wes Anderson. Couldn't be Wes Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm really excited to watch this film, actually. I, I, I will admit, I'm intrigued to see how it plays out and actually how it will play out around the world season specifically. Yeah. This is another one where I've been talking to people about it and they've said, maybe you need to rewatch it. And I think I agree. So yeah, who knows? It, it might change on another, on another watch. Number seven. Number seven is hit the road. Now I quite like this. I saw this earlier today. That's right. Number six. <laughs> <laughs> Number six is uh, Flea. Uh, which okay, is... yeah, you can talk about this one. I'm really excited for this one. Okay, so this is a beautiful kind of mixed media documentary about um, a, a, a refugee from Afghanistan who left in the 1980s as a kid uh, with his family. And basically, this is about his life uh, living under Soviet Russia and kind of the fall of the Soviet Union and also yeah. have, um, and also kind of living as a, a closeted gay man as well and um, it kind of flits between present and past and so you know he ends up with uh, his husband and there's a whole drama about finding a home and it kind of ties into the refugee side of things and I don't know if that's a perfect fit but it certainly had a real emotional impact on me and I, I really dug it. Nice. Five. Five is it's France's entry into the Oscars run. It's Titan. Titan. Um, Titan. It's one of the most shocking, the most disgusting, the most absolutely crazy films I have seen in a long time. And I absolutely dug it. It's violent. It's nasty. It's surprisingly sentimental at times, which is probably the most shocking thing about it. And I think it's going to really blow people away when they get to see it. I'm really excited to see what general audience is thinking. Honestly, I've never been so intrigued about a film in my entire life, Simon. I think I, I, I might be, I might be wrong, but I think one person did say they passed out in, in. in yes, the they did. Um, friend of the podcast, Daisy. I hope you're doing okay yes, now. Daisy, if I hope you're, you're listening. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Um, um, yeah, I mean, if that that I feel like that is a review within itself. Yeah, and. It honestly, it doesn't let up from there. It's a, it's an intense watch, absolutely, and not not necessarily because it's all viscera and violence and gore. Uh, there's a lot to process, and honestly, number four. Okay, number four. Um, okay, so this is uh, this is the Phantom of the Open, which is getting its world premiere as of recording. Uh, the embargo goes up tomorrow, so we're allowed to talk about this. This is uh, a directorial debut from Craig Roberts from Submarine. He also stars. Uh, you got Mark, Mark Rylance, Sally Hawkins, Simon Farnby, who also co-wrote. It is one of the loveliest, sweetest films you'll ever see this year. It is funny. It is beautiful. It's a little cheesy, but the right amount of cheese. Uh, if you don't care about golf, you'll still love it. Go watch it. Cheesy golf film. Love it. Okay. Number three. Number three. The Harder They Fall. It was the opener for LFF. Ah, yes. An absolute rocking opener. I Does... really love this. I've seen a pretty mixed response about it, but I'm glad that you loved it. Tell me more, ish. So, okay, very briefly, it's a really interesting re-reclamation of the Western uh, using iconic, well, now iconic, but so often forgotten uh, African-American and uh, mixed race and native um, figures of the Wild West. Uh, it's a fairly boilerplate revenge Western story, uh, but you've got some cracking performances in there, not least Idris Elba, who plays the villain around which the film literally bends at points. Uh, Regina King, who is just terrific in it. And, um, God, um, your man, 
Oh god. Uh, uh, oh, the main no. character, Jonathan 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 Majors. Jonathan Majors. Oh god, that escaped me then. Who gives a very kind of small performance in comparison to the to the villain turns, but it's no less effective. And yeah, again, like we said about Thomas and McKenzie, he's gonna be a star and here for a long time yet. Number two. Number two, encounter. <clears throat> Excuse me. Encounter. So this is uh, Michael Pierce's second film after Beast, which I absolutely loved. Uh, this is a sci-fi um, about Riz Ahmed, who plays a father. Uh, he's a Marine on a secret mission. And one night he has to take his kids because the aliens have come. Uh, so he says anyway. Uh, and it becomes an intense chase uh, across, well, California and Nevada. As events transpire and a story develops, things turn out to be much darker than they first appear and it's it becomes a much more layered and a much more complex story and i again this is going to be on amazon i think so people are going to be able to watch this on a mass on a mass platform i really encourage you to do so not least because you've got a terrific rizamid performance uh, you've got some really brilliant child acting as well in there uh something which has been seen across the festival in fact and i highly recommend getting to see some of these films for that uh what and number one especially belfast has- yeah, number one is Belfast. Uh, so it's the top of the festival for me. Belfast. Um, Belfast. Now, fast, fast. Yes. Uh, Belfast and boy does it go bell quickly. It's oh, it's such a wonderful <laughs> film. It's more a snapshot than a coming of age. Uh, it's kind of set against the backdrop of the troubles in Northern Ireland. Uh, but you, it's, it's there, it's ever present. And the threat of sectarian violence comes and it flashes and it goes. And it just leaves disaster in its wake. Uh, but the film isn't about that. It's about this family which are finding their own hardships, whether that's financial, whether that's, uh, you know, sitting next to the girl that you fancy at school, that kind of thing. It's about life and it's about being a kid and it's about having a family and it's about just living. And, you know, against absolute adversity and horror, that was The Troubles. It's so fantastic. And I think it's Kenneth Branagh's best film. Wow. Oh my God, we actually went through all 13. In quite a quick time. Goodness me. Okay, as I'm gonna quick pass as it out. could have been. Yeah. <laughs> Not surprising in any way, shape or form. Well, <laughs> wonderful. That sounds incredible. I feel like we'll get to talk about all of these films when they get their general release anyway. Yeah. So we can talk about them more. But it was nice to get a little snapshot from London Film Festival. And again, uh, you know, the film, other films we talked about, The French Dispatch last night in Soho, Spencer. Uh, the French Dispatch is going to be coming out on the 22nd of October uh, this year, 2021. And uh, last night in Soho on the 29th of October, the week later. And then the week after that, Spencer on the 5th of November. Yeah. And you might be watching a certain Marvel film on that day, but <laughs> it doesn't mean that you can't fit it in. I will say, actually, on some of those releases, you will wait, unfortunately, a bit longer. So Belfast is in February. The Phantom of the Open doesn't actually release until April properly. How dare they? I know. I'm so gutted. I'm so excited for people to watch this. I think it is going to need a bit more of a cut down because it's a bit sweary at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I'd be interested okay, to see if okay. it gets more of a um, more of a work through with the BBFC to get a more general audience. Yep. Right. Well, one more thing, finally, just before yeah, we go. Okay. Uh, last uh, week, seven days ago, we put the film club poll out. Uh, <laughs> you did another film from a decade that nobody cares about. Apart from Edgar Wright, I think. 
Um, no, no. What what was your film again? Uh, so my film was Cape Fear. Cape Fear, yes. So Cape Fear was it was the the Martin Scorsese. Yep, the remake from nineteen ninety one. The remake yeah. from nineteen ninety one, which yep. is thirty years old, same as old wow. this time okay. next week of time of publishing. Oh my god! <laughs> Actually, no, I, no, a couple of days after next week's episode. A couple of days after. Yeah. So yes, a week and a bit to go. Um and uh, Charlotte did. I think it's called Mike and Molly. Uh, stop motion. <laughs> Mike and Molly. No. The... Mike and Molly. Um, the... <laughs> this is where we're at. This is where we're at. I'm going to find it because I don't want to do Mary and Max. It was Mary and Max. It was an M and an M. It wasn't Mike and Molly. But it wasn't Mike and Molly. It the, wasn't the M and M. Melissa McCarthy. No. <laughs> now the biting makes sense. Oh no! How many okay, years? sorry. That, I was just going to say. I think I've given a lot of cinema goers PTSD there. <laughs> Um, uh, okay. Time for a tasty debrief after this. Oh, stop it! I work at I work at that cinema, so shut up. Oh, I used to work at that <laughs> cinema, so no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, at least you didn't have to put up with Phil before he got cast in Ted Lasso. So, oh no, oh, no I know, I left by that point. Yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That was that was the most insufferable era. Um, okay, but the film I picked. The Iron Giant. How does won. it feel? How does it feel, Alex? Oh, it feels good. I know, right? I feel powerful. <laughs> I'm gonna have to think of something extra good for the next film club so See, that I can it. get I can get a double winning streak like you did. Heavy is the head that wears the crown, Alex. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. See, the pressure's yeah. now off me, and it's it's off Charlotte as well. You know, we can just keep delivering great films and you know, it's up to the public. You know, it's the same public that voted for Brexit. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we wrap this up? Yep, I think <laughs> you've probably had just about enough of us this week. I think so. I Thank mean, you very much. Me. This has been a long uh, old episode. Yeah, it has. Yeah. It has been a long old episode. Yeah, Thank you very much, Simon. Thank um, you. Thank you. It's been a yeah. pleasure. So we're going to be watching The Iron Giant and I, yeah, that's really exciting for me. I can't wait. I must so, yeah. away to my Leicester Square nest. My children are hungry. Yes, uh, the Paddington bear statue needs feeding. <laughs> he ain't going to eat that sandwich until I regurgitate it for him. <laughs> God. I've gone fair. Okay, okay. Anyway, yes. Thank you very much for joining me, Simon, from your Leicester Square uh, uh nest it's been a and, pleasure <laughs> um i i have been alex and charlotte has been charlotte but absent this week but we'll be back charlotte. next week and we can't wait for her to be back and i can't wait to be back next week for you to bring you more film stuff and the festival everything. as well 13 more films i'll be talking about next week so yeah. 13 more oh my god I don't know if i can take it i'll be talking about one <laughs> Venom. <laughs> No, that's not an LFF film. Oh, okay. Oh, it is it? Be. Best film it should be. Um, yeah. Again, I no, haven't seen it yet. Can't judge. Actually, yeah. No, before we do go, next week is stacked film releases. Oh, my God. We're going to be doing a two-hour one. Um, it's going to be a bumper episode. So we'll, let, we'll see. We'll see what, we'll what see. happens. But anyway, until then, I've been Alex. Simon has been very strange today for some reason. No, I don't know what's going on. I, they, normal programming will resume next week, I promise. I don't know whether you're going to be even more exhausted. It's festival brain. That's what it is. It's festival brain. Yeah, it is. Exactly. Thank you very much for listening. 
to Jumpcast. Ta-ta. And goodbye. <laughs>